This episode of Burn the Haystack is sponsored, somewhat ironically, by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to thehaystack.org. The Haystack, life, culture, theology. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about helping you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. And today, I've been watching too much pro pro church tools. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, we have a really cool episode for you with one of our very own team, which is exciting. And we're going to be talking all about communicating, um, helping churches communicate better, which um, let's just say a lot of churches struggle with. So Some maybe, churches, not churches maybe, that we know. Maybe a lot of people listening might relate to this episode and you might find it very helpful even if you don't have any sort of involvement in your church. We've got lots of different ways for you to help your church communicate to each other better and to its local community. Yeah, better. it's really exciting. Laura Laura is um is working on our team. She's one of the cool contributors who help make our social media presence um what it is. So it's not just I, I love I love this because we don't have to get the credit for everything like it's not like josh and i the ones sitting behind facebook and instagram all the time making awesome memes and awesome content for um burn the haystack we actually have laura and josh and um a few other people who have contributed over the years year years like we've been at this for like years um (laughs) to make this what it is so yeah it's been really it's been really great and um just an honor to have her on the podcast today yeah and uh you know we're both kind of we're pretty digital people. We've both had a fair bit of experience in the in the digital space, um, I guess. But Laura comes at it from a totally professional angle. Um, mm. Jesse, have you had much experience with, uh, you know, the social media space, maybe particular groups or... <laughs> All right. So, um, Josh kind of pulled my arm to, to make me tell this story. But I, we talk about <laughs> groups in the episode. And I remember I was going to share it in the episode, but then I didn't because I thought it'd be a bit frivolous. But anyway, when Facebook first came out with groups, I wanted to create a group, but I didn't know what to create because I had I was just a kid in, in school and I didn't know what, you know, what, what, what group would I create? I wasn't in a club or anything like that. So I created a group called... The Grand Cult of Porridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> End of story. No. So, basically, I created this group with my friends, and it was it was like a make-believe cult. I think, I think the reason why I created it, thinking back, was I think I was playing the Elder Scrolls um, 4, Oblivion, at the time. Have you ever played that, Josh? Uh, you know, I've actually never played Oblivion, but I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, a great game. Definitely one of the hallmark games of my childhood. I think I was probably playing through the Dark Brotherhood storyline at the time. And you know how like the Dark Brotherhood has like all the different ranks? I basically, I think I adopted all the ranks from the the Dark Brotherhood into this grand cult of porridge, except everything was porridge related. So there was like the Arbiters of Porridge and there was like... 
the I think it was like the speaker of Kurds and Way or something like that, and we all had different ranks, and we all had discussions about how we were going to take over the world. This is before I had ever read like anything like Cthulhu related or like HP Lovecraft related. So I'm pretty impressed that I came up with this all on my own. <laughs> well, heard it here first, people. Jesse started a cult. So if you'd like to join my cult, <laughs> I'm accepting invitations. Um, I'm actually transitioning from Seventh-day Adventism into the grand cult of porridge. <laughs> no. it's, it's like Seventh-day Adventism, but it's more grand and we have porridge. So if you'd like to join that group, you can search for it on Facebook and maybe I'll accept you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, know, uh, I know a lot of Adventists like porridge, right? <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great breakfast uh, meal. It's uh, nutritious. It's... It's uh, delicious. It's malicious. No, it's not malicious. It's good. But the, the grand cold of porridge, I'll admit, is a little bit malicious. <laughs> I'm going to say, out of all the breakfast, out of all the breakfasts, I feel like porridge would have to be the least malicious. Yeah, it's just like warm and sludgy, eh? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. what, what, Fruit Loops are way more malicious. They look all colorful, but Bruh. really, like, we they, know. They'll, they'll kill you. They'll kill you. Yeah, we know. We know how bad they are. I mean, when yeah. I was a kid, I thought they were pretty healthy. I used to have them all the time because I was like, it's fruit, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I was so yeah. smart. I was smart. <laughs> smart, smart, smart. <laughs> S-M-R-T. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think myself, I don't know how many... Gr- I'm trying to think back in like the days when groups first started. I don't think I have any like silly groups that I was a part of. I just had heaps of like, because back in the day for a certain church I used to be a part of, all the music teams, or like if you had, if you were rostered on for music, what we would do instead of starting a chat, because I don't know if you had, I don't know if Messenger could do chat, like Messenger chats back then. What we would do, we would start a Facebook group for like worship and then the date, and then we would put all the songs in the group. But then, so that's why I'm still a part of like a hundred groups and half of them are... (laughs) Just from mm. that church. <laughs> I yeah, really you got to go through. Them. Yeah, you got to go through and do a cull once in a while for your groups. I know I'm part of so many groups; it's just so overwhelming sometimes. But groups are important. Groups are the future, and that's what we talked to Laura about today. Um, it was super early in the morning for her, so just thank you so much, Laura, for being such a trooper and getting up early to talk to us. But we talk about church and social media, how to get online, how to have an online presence, how to actually let your community know that you're here, your opening hours, what you're all about, what sort of you you can expect from the church. Um, So I think without further ado, let's go to that. I enjoyed it. Josh enjoyed it. You're going to enjoy it. Here's our conversation with Laura. Here we go. Well, today on the podcast, we are super blessed to have our very own Laura Hutchison join us from sunny Sydney, New South Wales. Good morning, Laura. How are you? Good morning, guys. How's it going? Fantastic. I'm a bit jealous of the weather there because I'm sitting here in like deep fog, overcast and rain, and there it's like beautiful sun blazing in through your windows. Yeah, it's a beautiful sunny day, but it is the crack of dawn, so I'm (laughs) so 
it's it's you you guys are two hours um behind us and it's to nine o'clock a.m in the morning for us and it's 11 degrees here in palmerston north and i don't think it's going to get any much warmer than that so (laughs) yeah i'm not jealous of you guys at all sydney is where sydney's the best everyone should Uh, Sydney is great. Sydney is great. So, hey, Laura, uh, many of our podcast audience will know you because of uh, your affiliations sort of getting around in Australia and all that. But for those of our podcast audience who are all the way from overseas um, who might not know you, give us a little bit of a soundbite. Who is Laura? Um, Yeah, your history. Cool. Um, All right. So I am 24 years old. I live in Sydney with my husband, Sebastian, and I work in marketing. I actually graduated from Avondale College of Higher Education, just like (laughs) that place. Um, And I did a marketing communications double degree there and loved it. So I've been working as a professional marketer in Sydney for two years now. Um, and I really enjoy it. And part of my job is mostly like I do websites and social media and EDMs, anything digital communication is, um, what I do professionally and I'm really passionate about it as well. So that's very helpful. Um, I'm not sure what else you'd like to know. What I am curious, (laughs) what, what led you to, um, want to get into marketing? What was the sort of thing that inspired you to to be a marketer because you know it's it's not every day that you meet somebody who's really into that especially uh, in the Adventist church it's not really a thing that a lot of Christians aspire to want to be especially in the Adventist church all of my friends are teachers or nurses (laughs) which is fine but I'm just on my own out here as a little marketer um I think I would be called a digital native. Um, I was born in 1994, which is the same year that my parents installed internet in our house, and I've never really known anything else. So I, like growing up, I was on MatMice and Bebo and MySpace and any new platform that came up, I signed up straight away. I did Club Penguin. I did. (laughs) Club Penguin. I love it. Yeah, I was there and... um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed setting up the profile and connecting with other people online and learning that way of communication and just how you can reach such a wide audience online and tell a story. Um, And I really didn't know what to do. My dad works in business as a sales manager. And so when I finished year 12, I was like, dad, what do I do? And he was like, I think you'd be really good in a communications, public relations, marketing kind of role because Um, I kind of had all those skills up my sleeve just from being immersed in it my whole life, I guess. Yeah. But, um, marketing is something that I think a lot of people need. Like you can't have a business without marketing these days. You need, you know, you can have a great product, but if you're not communicating that product, you're getting nowhere. So, um, the rise of marketing has been enormous, particularly in the last 10, 15 years, when the internet search has really taken off and um, yeah, it's an exciting place to be. So I really enjoy it. Oh, that's awesome. Man, I miss, you made me miss Bebo now. <laughs> Back when, I don't think you could send a personal message. Everything was just on people's, like that on it was kind of like your wall but i can't remember what they called it back then like your profile and every message was public and you could either give it a heart or not give it a heart and it had like a little heart counter on the side which was like your clout basically 
Yes, I have fond memories of MySpace as well, how you would go onto someone's profile and it would say what they're feeling and then automatically play like Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas. Good times. Yeah, it's a different world now. <laughs> yeah, I love how you could just automatically play a song and people had no choice but to listen to it or mute their computer. That was just the glory days of the internet. How far we've fallen. Such terrible music in 2007. It was like TikTok by Kesha. And all. Like, oh. That's the kind of stuff coming over people's MySpace if you wanted to be cool. <laughs> well, maybe your friends. Mine had like Blink-182 and Foo Fighters. And, oh, and then I had a really depressing one by Gary Jules on there. You know that Mad World song? I think that was a different all stage in life. All around me are familiar faces. That was a hard time in life. <laughs> You're a bit older than me, though. You're probably a bit cooler. I was in year seven in 2007, so ah. that's probably why we had Kesha. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I remember being that age because I was born in '92, so I'm not much older. But uh, Josh is a lot older than us. But um, oh god, <laughs> I remember being <laughs> Josh is like one year older than me. <laughs> yeah, being born back in the 1991, yeah, you guys yeah. just wouldn't understand what we've been through. <laughs> Oh, man. I remember being in 2007 and the only songs that I liked were like the Weird Al Yankovic parodies of the popular songs of the time, you know? You and my brother both the worst. (laughs) I was was one of those kids that was just like, I didn't listen to Gangster Paradise, but I loved Amish Paradise. (laughs) (laughs) No. I I wasn't into Riding Dirty, but I was into White and Nerdy, you know? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This makes so much sense. <laughs> I think my brother knows all the words. Oh, it's so good. It's so <laughs> good. It's a good time. Yeah, I worked out via podcast that I actually went to primary school with one of you guys, maybe Josh, in Warunga, Adventist Primary School. No way. Yeah, and I was listening like, oh, me too, me too. But Really? Yeah, I did. I did prep to grade five, and then we moved up to the holy Mecca land of Kurumbong. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! That's wow, that's crazy. Oh wow! There you go. Well, I honestly keep finding out so many people I went to school with who are currently in my social life, and I just, you know, you don't know back in primary school. I guess you don't really. Care. I didn't keep in contact with anyone from school. Yeah, it's an Adventist problem. I think we're all connected. <laughs> yeah, it's very. You move in the world. You're like, did I go to school with you? <laughs> It's so disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, this this we kind of got you on because this sort of started with a bit of a conversation that we had with you upon listening to one of our episodes. I can't remember. It was quite a while ago and then you kind of joined the team and started helping us out. But um, run us through, you, you kind of had a bit of a situation after you left um, the Mecca of uh, the Adventist Mecca of Kurumbong. Um, and moved down to Sydney to start your working uh, working life down there. Um, you had a bit of an experience with trying to find a church down there? I did, yes. Um, so when I moved away from Kurumbong, um, it's about two hours away, so I cut all ties to my church. And I was super involved, um, and I had, like, women's Bible study nights, and I had um, I was involved in music and worship, and I used to write a lot of drama scripts and children's stories, and, like, you name it, I did it, and um, I really thrived off that. It was a huge part of my life. And so moving to Sydney, I was kind of just, like, 
had cut off all of that and it was like, okay, time to start fresh. And I Googled, you know, Adventist church and I'm kind of looking around like is where are there any near me? And um, I didn't think there were for a while. It was only like the second time I sat down to search again, I found one that was only like 10 minutes away. Um, And they had no presence online. They had absolutely nothing. They had this dodgy listing on Google Maps, which Uh where their name was spelt, um, sorry, was said incorrectly. Like they'd actually changed name and no one had updated. There was no like opening hours or, photos on Google. There was nothing. I found their website and it was a template. I think the Australian union, correct me on this, but the Australian union makes a template and gives it out to churches that they can then use, create their own website. So it was the template and it had the name of the church. I don't want to name and shame them because they're so lovely, but (laughs) had the name of the church And then like a copy paste in the about section, which was just like a really broad, what an Adventist is kind of statement from the union. Mm. That was it. There was no opening hours. I couldn't find any information on like status school, youth groups, potluck. Um, If I could contact them on social media. um, Yeah. I don't know. I went on Facebook and they had, (laughs) Um, the pastors of this church were managing two different churches that are about 40 minutes, an hour apart. And so they had just lumped those together and named it that section of Sydney Facebook group um, Adventists or something. And that was it. So there was a few people in this closed group and that was the only presence I could find. And I don't know. I wasn't too keen to join the group. I kind of just felt quite yeah. and very confused. Um, and we went there. <laughs> and um, the people there were so lovely. It was a small church, only like 20 people. Um, They were really nice to us and super welcoming and want us to come back all the time and everything. But um, we went a few times and one week we rocked up and it was empty and there was no one in the car park. We hadn't been. Yeah, we hadn't been the week before. Um, We did drive up to Avondale College Church a fair bit actually and yeah, we rocked up and it was empty and there was no sign. There was no anything. And we kind of dawdled around for a little bit and then we just went home. And we found out from the pastor a few weeks later that they had a church camp on that weekend. But they had not communicated that online to anyone that was not attending the church the week earlier when they, you know, announced it <laughs> everyone. Um, anyway, and this is a bit of an extreme case, but... Um, definitely not an isolated one. I think there's so many churches around not only Sydney, but like the whole country. And it's not just a country church problem. Like we're in the middle of the city and this is happening. Mm. Um, churches just don't know how to communicate their presence and what they do online. I think a lot of people, particularly in the older generation, Um, obviously they're not digital natives and they don't quite know how to use all the platforms, but they also have a little bit of hesitation where they're kind of scared of the digital space and um, all the things that they think could go wrong there. So they just steer right clear of it. And um, the young people are just like, no, it's the pastor's problem. But (laughs) if if you're going to an Adventist church, I think majority 
of the people who are attending church will think um, realize that their pastor is probably a man over the age of 40 who is not a digital native and might post once or twice but doesn't really have um, the skills needed to do that, which is not a bash on pastors. They are totally good at heaps of other things, but don't make your, like, don't expect your pastor to run your social media account. It's not in his job description. That's something that the church can do. And it's actually a really easy task to get your teens involved in. Like a 16 year old is going to be fantastic at that job mm. and it's going to mm. get involved in their church. Um, anyway, obviously it's something I'm really passionate about. I've already ranted, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's all the podcast is really. It's just people ranting, right? So, <laughs> no, well, um, I mean, that's such a relatable problem, I think, that so many people have that just trying to find a church in their local area. And if they can find it, they might find it in the phone books, which is not the place where we look nowadays. They might find it online, but oh, what dear. they find online... I mean, I remember even when I um, went to start at my church when I was, oh, well, yeah, when I, yeah, when I came to start at my churches, um, neither of them are particularly like fantastic online. Not a dig at them, but they're getting they they are honestly getting better. So I'm very proud of them. But I remember just sort of the anxiety that going online and not being able to see pictures of where I'm going. There's not really any real Google reviews or anything like that. So you don't actually know what people think about the church or anything like that. So it was really it was really confronting, you know, coming over here and starting at these churches because the first and I guess like a lot of older people might say, Well, that's normal. If you want to see what it's like, just go and see what it's like. But that's sort of not how I think people our age function. I mean, if I can say our age, I know I'm older than you guys. <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I fit in your youth categories. <laughs> uh, but, but it's sort of not how we function. Like, we like to see things before we see things, if that makes sense. We want to have an idea of it before we step into it. Definitely. Like, uh, it's, yeah. it's like a, it's a millennial um, issue, I think. We're quite anxious about leaving the house and doing new things and meeting new <laughs> yeah. people. Particularly something like coming into a place of faith is not something normal to do in the secular society that we live in. Um, that leaves you quite vulnerable and it's pretty nerve wracking. Um, I know at my workplace, I work for a hotel and so we do a lot of um, fancy dinners and stuff that we sell at the restaurant. And if I don't have good photos of the food that we're selling or of the restaurant or of whatever, it's not selling. Um, like we will not make money of it if I can't give you visual promotions and well-written words about what is going to be included in the event. And even though, you know, <laughs> that's a fancy dinner and this is a church, it's the same kind of thing applies. Like you're not going to attract new audiences to somewhere that doesn't have any good photos or doesn't have any words that explain what it's going to be like when you get there. It doesn't matter that there's no transaction of money involved. Like, people still need to be motivated to try something new and um, just to rock up and kind of feel a slightly less nervous because they recognize it from the photo they saw online. Mm. I, I'm really, I, I think a lot of people already get this and I'm so glad that you said what you just said because I just want to drill down. There are a lot of people who already get this and even if they're not doing this well, like I get it, even though my church isn't necessarily doing this well. And, you know, but there are some people who 
I think, just, just for the people who go, you know what, I go to church every week and I see the same people and that's awesome and I'm happy with seeing the same people every week. Why do we have to do marketing? Like, is, isn't marketing for, you know, businesses that want to just sell us things? Like, we're not a business, we're a church. Why should I care? What, you know, why, why, why is it bad that I just go to church and see the same people every week? Like, we don't need any new people in our church. I don't, a lot of people wouldn't say that, but the implication is there. Do you want to just kind of talk to that sort of person who goes, I don't really see the value of marketing at all. I'm happy with the way things are. Why do you have to bother me with all this millennial jargon and all this business business talk? Business talk, right. Um, the church is a business. Whether you want to look at it like that or not, it's an organization and um, deserves to be communicated. No, I think there is so much in the Bible about evangelism and about calling other people to the faith um, that we can't really deny it. And I think the rut that a lot of us have gotten stuck in in the Adventist church is that we're like, the Lord will provide. Like God, <laughs> uh, Do you know what I mean? Like God will bring the people that he calls or like he will touch their hearts and they will be inspired to come to church. Meanwhile, we're like sitting in the pews doing nothing to <laughs> inspire them to sort of come, you know, like, um, and we can pray about it and God will do whatever he wants, but he's going to work through us. Like if you like what's in your hands, like for me, what's in my hands is a set of digital skills. Um, and you know, now a university degree on how to do online communications and so I would like to use that not only for the job that pays me, but also for the community that I'm passionate about. Um, I think people that sit in the pews and expect God to just magically open the doors and let people walk in are kidding themselves. Like pray that prayer that God will bring people to church and then actually do something to bring people to church. We forget what it's like to not be a Christian and to not be um, attending churches. And I definitely like, you know, I'm a born and raised Adventist. I've done the Adventist school and Adventist churches um, my whole life. And it was only when I moved to Sydney and lost, you know, lost, left my whole community behind um, that I sort of, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to do with myself. And um, I started not going to church every week. I would kind of just sleep in or um, <laughs> go to brunch as a Badventist because it <laughs> felt more comfortable than going to church and meeting new people that I, like, you know, I didn't know them. I didn't know what the church even looked like because they're not online. <laughs> I sort of felt really uncomfortable about it and, um, which is something I'd never felt before. My church back at home at Macquarie is like my, is like a family. Like I call, um, there's like five women there that I all call mum because they're all, it's, wow. it's that community feeling. Um, and I didn't have that at all in Sydney. And I started, I guess, wagging church or started hopping around. I tried like, you know, we kind of hopped between three different Adventist churches and um, I tried out a C3 church, which is a Sunday church similar to Hillsong. <gasps> I know. <laughs> uh, no, I'm an ultimate Adventist because I'm marketing for a secular hotel. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 
putting myself in the shoes of someone who is not a regular attendee and actually like becoming that person changed my whole view of church and changed the way I look at it completely. And I look back at my old church in Kurumbong who don't have much of an online presence and they didn't have any signs of where to park. You rock up and go to a big um, hall and there's no signs to say teen Sabbath school here, youth Sabbath school here. I just knew what door to go to because I'd been there for like 15 years. (laughs) Mm, Um, Yeah. yeah, And how much of that, how intimidating would that be if I was a new person going to that church, just like I have been in Sydney and I've been so intimidated to rock up to no signs no expectations, nothing. Um, so it's really flipped my view of everything mm. by being the outside person. Yeah. It's probably a really good exercise for a lot of Adventists to do. Imagine walking to your church. If you can, imagine going to your church for the first time and thinking, like, would I actually know where to go? Um, I don't know, yeah. Or like, do, or like, how do I even know this building is here? Do we have our address adequately at the front? All those kind of things. Um, I know for us in New Zealand, we sort of have a bit of a different, um, a bit of a different thing because we have like the free to air Adventist TV channels here, um, which is an interesting dynamic in itself. Which we should talk about on the podcast one time. It'd be interesting. But um, so, but what happens is a lot of people do actually come through that. And the like in our area, for example, they all come to our church because our church is the only one with an online presence, whereas there are actually five churches in Hamilton. And so what ends up happening, they come to our church and then if we don't really fit them like where they're at, we can actually help them find these other churches. And I'm like, wow, it's so interesting Like, because we're the most visible online. We're constantly getting people because of these, yeah, TV channels. Um, so it's an interesting, I guess... Thing, but if we weren't visible, where would they go? You know, like we're physically visible in the community and getting a better online presence. But that's the thing. We have to, like, even if God does direct people to our churches in his own way, they still need to know where we are, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like the bare minimum, I think. Exactly. Yeah. And I, like you say, if someone feels called to go to church or if you feel like you want to go anywhere as a modern day person, you open Google, like for anything. And that's it. Do you want to find the best spot for lunch? Do you want to find a new church? Do you want to do a workshop on something like absolutely anything we Google and in the church, we're just like expecting people to just magically find us. Yeah. Or, or at the very least we expect to do a once every two year Daniel and revelation seminar. And that's going to, you know, attract our, our, our community. We're going to put flyers up everywhere. We're going to blow up incredibly huge inflatable statues. Um, that's not a reference <laughs> to anything at all. <laughs> and that's going to do it. That's going to be, that's going to be our marketing campaign. This is the I podcast am, where we trigger everyone. I'm, yeah. I'm triggered. I'm 100% triggered by that. That's <laughs> backwards. Like that's everything about that is the wrong way to communicate it. I'm sure the prophecies seminar, like I'm sure they have some great points. Like I'm sure it's, you know, cool to get into the Bible and learn about the future, but please do not letterbox me with flyers and blow up really scary statues outside your church because <laughs> I have to drive past that and be like, oh, that's the statue, the statue from what's his name's dream in the Bible. 
Um, and everyone else, like I'm thinking of my colleagues at work, are just going to be like, what is that? Like <laughs> terrifying. Is that a cult? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, all right. So, yeah. so you've so you've already referenced this a fair bit, but I would just love if you would be able to take us through some of the the sins, the unforgivable, maybe uh, not unforgivable, but some of the sins <laughs> that we that we in the church commit, and then if you can lead us into the better way forward as far as having an online presence, marketing your church, getting people interested, actually showing people what the church is like so that maybe they might come along and get engaged. So what are the, some of the sins? And then what's the better way? The number one marketing sin is complacency, I think, of just sitting in your church pew and doing nothing, which we've already talked about. Um, and just, uh, you know, even worse when you're, praying for God to make a change and then refusing to be the change. Um, mm. I find that, in, yeah, just like you can do something. Um, I'm sure that person that's refusing to, to like open the doors to the church and be the change in starting to communicate it has a Facebook account. <laughs> like we're all on, um, you know, it's not hard. Um, I think, okay, the marketing sin number two is probably, um, not updating your website. If you have like the church that I started going to in Sydney, if you just have a template from the union with a copy paste of who Adventists are from the general conference, um, you're not helping anyone. There is so much you can do to your website, even just general stuff. If you don't have a team of volunteers or anyone that knows how to run a website, find someone or contact um, the union, like they made the template for you. I'm sure they'll be very happy to help and just get them to put on, we are open every Saturday from 11 till 12 or like whatever your opening hours are, but something generic that is constant. So you don't have to make it hard for yourself by updating the sermon topic every week. Um, mm. It doesn't, doesn't take much to have a website that is basic and effective. Um, it's not going to get you too far, but at least cover the basics um, until you can recruit a millennial to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> is your is your Facebook the number one spot for online um, your online presence, or is it social media? What is what does the current data say? Um, I think your website is the constant number one above social media. Um, because Google, people will Google things. And so if you have good SEO, which is search engine optimization, basically if your website is able to be found by Google and Google thinks it's relevant and credible so it comes up in the first page search, that is um, the most important online tool for you. We call the website the anchor in marketing. It's the anchor of all of your campaigns and strategies. It always directing people back to the website because you can put as much information there as possible. Um, instead of Facebook, you kind of have to scroll down all the way through to find everything. Mm. Um, so number, where, what are we up to? Like three? Yeah. Three. Three, yeah. Sin um, is not monitoring your Facebook page correctly. Um, I think there is a lot you can do on Facebook. Do not make it a profile. You will get in trouble with the law. Um, you need to make mm. it a page uh, because it is an organization. 
um, make it a page. If you would like, you can then extend your page to become a group. Um, Facebook recently had this big conference thing called F8 and said that they're steering a lot of the platform towards community group-based um, conversations and that's where all the engagement lives now. Um, because quick, really quick backstory of Facebook is that when, it's, when it kicked off in like 2008, um, it was obviously had a big boom and people started to create business profiles for their company as if they were a friend. So you could like, you could be friends with McDonald's or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Facebook kind of realized that it was a bit unfair to have this weird mixture of friends, um, actual people with companies in there. So they've made pages. So companies then made pages, which you could become a fan of a page. Um, it's now like or follow a page. Um, and so businesses built up these huge followings online um, with all their fans. And after a few years of doing that and people got thousands, millions of fans, Facebook decided they could make a lot of money out of this. So they've restricted what we call organic reach to about 1% or 2%. So that wow. means that if I have a Facebook page um, for my business and it has 100 followers every time I used to make a post um, you know coming down and buy our cool new shirts that would be sent out to 100 people now if I type that same post and send it out I might have like two maybe ten people even see that let alone like and comment with it like that's how many people it will show up in the newsfeed for um, and Facebook has done that restricted that so that they can then say um pay us to reach all audience so now you have to pay for facebook advertising um yeah so the reason i would suggest a church to look into changing um or starting a group out of their page and the group can be connected to the page and monitored by the page um is because if you're going to post on your facebook page an announcement about the week um it's not going to be seen by most of your followers. And I don't want churches to have to pay for this. Like, you know, we don't, we don't have budget for social media advertising and we shouldn't have to. Um, so making a group means that when you post in the group, everyone in the group gets a notification and then you're all alerted and you're all um, together. It's also can, if you monitor it correctly, it can be like a safe place for community um, discussions or people to post prayer requests for that week. If they're stressed about a job interview or something, they know they can go on to their church Facebook group and say, help, <laughs> I need prayers. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember um, a while ago on a church Facebook page that we had, and I think this was sort of, yeah, I, this is kind of when I was sort of first learning how to use social media. So our church at the time just had a Facebook page and I remember a church, uh, someone who sort of like had been coming, but they were still sort of on the fence about coming. They posted a comment, like the only the way they could, they felt they could contact was they posted a comment on the page asking if anybody could give them a lift to church. And obviously like nobody would see that. I think they did it on like Friday night or something. And so I, I, as the, I wasn't moderating it because I didn't really do the moderating at that time because I was like, well, I know, I'm getting ready for church. I think I was preaching that day and that sort of stuff. And it was when I was much more disorganized and my sermons were generally finished on Friday night or Saturday morning. But um, 
but I remember like they were so upset and they sent me a they called me like like the next week saying I posted on the Facebook page for someone to give me a lift and nobody did and I was like like it's not really your fault because I felt I think that's the only way that we had available for you to contact us but I was like man that sucks that's what happened so groups are really good for not just the church to give announcements but for also like members of the church to communicate with each other in a broader way I think um but what if you have a church of of like 200 plus people like 300 people 400 people (laughs) would how do you keep a group from going crazy is there a way there is a way, and this is why I suggest that if you're, um, you know, if you're self-proclaimed Facebook rookie and you've only just set up your church page, probably don't start a group because it does require moderation, particularly with, um, you know, if you have like over 300 members and they all are in the Facebook group, um, it gets tricky hard. You're going to get multiple posts per day and you might even get you know, there's a lot of political stuff happening at the moment. Um, like I'm thinking of the abortion laws in the U S or even just our, um, vote. We just changed government government in Australia, um, with the election and all that kind of stuff. A lot of politics is wrapped up in religious beliefs at the moment. And it's really controversial. And, um, I know I'm in some Facebook groups at the moment that, are mostly us um christian women and the conversations in there about what's happening with abortion are just like oh it horrendous mm. to read like arguments back and forth people claiming you know calling each other names all of that kind of stuff and i think that that's not what you want your church group to be not at all so i think when you have a group of that size there's a few things you can do but definitely create rules um, within the group and people have to agree to the rules in order to enter the group. Um, you can pin them to the top of the group so everyone has to read them um, and you can remind them if anyone if anyone starts to breach it a little bit, you can comment on them, please refer back to the rules of this group. We don't tolerate this kind of language. Um, you don't want to just go deleting everyone's posts. You'd rather teach them. Um, something else you can do is get people to categorize their posts when they post something. So you can say, um, I'm in one group that does a hashtag before everything. So you could do hashtag question and then you write your question to the community or like um, this one is for people who run their own websites and stuff. And so they're like business win and then they share a good story and everyone gets involved. But having that like disclaimer at the top keeps them thinking about what kind of content they're posting instead of just ranting Um, So you could have maybe like get people to type prayer request and then something else or question or, um, you know, if it is going to be controversial, it might make them double think about what they're going to post. Um, But it does require discipline and you just don't want too much turmoil within your church community. Like there's already enough clash of beliefs and stuff within the community that just rocks up every Saturday morning, let alone having to be online monitoring it every single day. So I would suggest um, getting a team, maybe like five different people from your church um, who are Facebook savvy and you can make them all admins on the page and that way they can hop in and be involved in those discussions. If things get too heated, you can also turn off comments after a little while of a post and no one else can comment, you can read what's been said, but it doesn't fuel the fire and go on for like 12 days. 
Um, mm. Lots of tips. If you like, I can share like some articles or whatever. If anyone's listening to this and wants to know more, I'm very happy for people to contact me. I have lots of resources up my sleeve. This is my full-time job, so give me cool. a call. <laughs> awesome. We'll link to all that in the show notes, um, your, your contact details and anything you might want to share. Um, I, I had a question about groups because I'm sure there are people out there like me who are they get invited to this group and that group. And then over time you have this snowball uh, membership of all these different groups and you're getting all these notifications from people discussing things. And so you click on the notification, you scroll through and there's another one and there's another one. And then pretty soon you just go, you know what? I just, I can't be bothered. I'm just going to either leave this group or I'm going to turn off notifications. How best can you sell the leveraging of a really good group to somebody like me who goes, you know what? There are so many groups out there. I don't know if I want to be part of one, a hundred or none. Um, how, how, what's, what's the sell? What's the reason why groups are great? Um, and how, how can churches best leverage it to, to help sort of the mission? Groups are great because they are an online space to safely discuss things with like-minded people or people you disagree with in um, a relaxed and easygoing way. I think groups are essentially like a life group or a small group or a Bible study. You can have a full discussion on there without... um, you know, without judgment or without people from your newsfeed popping in and seeing things like it is an open to an extent with people who want to be involved talking about something they want to talk about. I think it's, yeah, it is like an online life group. I think the way to make your group great is to have a strategy. So, um, for example, uh, like let's post every Monday, Wednesday and Friday via your page and keep those page posts where people engage the most. So maybe Monday you'd be like, we're off to a big week. We're taking prayer requests. Please post in the comments below what you'd like us to pray for. And then everyone gets involved in that post. And maybe on Wednesday we'll say, um, this is our Bible story of the week. It's really cool. What's your favorite Bible story? Or something like that that people can get involved with. And then on Friday we're like, we've got an exciting program at church tomorrow. This, this, and this is happening and so to have that structure so that you log on to your Facebook on Monday morning and it's not just like overwhelming of people in the group posting about their dog and their uncle and their like random stuff you can go like oh it's Josh's church has posted prayer requests you know what I actually have one and then you log on so you can kind of expect what's coming it's very structured I think that's the way, a good way to keep the group under control and remind them what the purpose is of hmm. that space. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. And for the um, the two people out there who are kind of still a little bit belligerent about groups, I know that Facebook is moving forward in a bigger emphasis on groups and communities. Do you want to talk to that just really quickly about sort of where Facebook is going, um, the emphasis on groups and communities and really what that means for the way that we interact with Facebook in the future? Yeah, I think I spoke earlier about how Facebook started as just a platform for friends um, 
to connect and network. And then they kind of dived into the whole business and advertising thing. And that got so intense and everyone wanted to advertise on Facebook um, that it got a bit crowded and people started complaining or started just boycotting Facebook because they would log on and they would just see companies and ads, just ad after ad after ad. And so Facebook has said, you know what, people are actually leaving our platform and it's not going to be any good if we keep making money from advertising, but there's no one to advertise to. Um, So they're changing their structure a little bit to go back to that original connecting with family and friends. And um, one way to do that is groups. So you could have a group, for example, of my family. We could have all the Mitchells in a group, and that can be everyone because it's such an intergenerational great platform. We can have my grandparents in there all the way down to all my aunts and uncles and cousins and whatever, and there would be like 30 people in a group. Um, and that's a safe place for our family to connect. And that's really what Facebook is all about. And that's what they designed the platform to be. So they are trying to get back to their roots and create those community bubbles for everyone to be a part of. Just like in my life, I have lots of different social circles. I have like the girls that I went to college with, the girls I work with. I have my family. I have um, my husband's family. We have all these different communities that we naturally engage with in groups. So they're just bringing that idea online. Mm-hmm. One other thing mm-hmm. I'd like to say about groups, though, is that while groups are great for contacting your congregation and allowing your current con- congregation to have discussions and stuff, it's not really designed to branch out and meet new people. Yep. It's just to communicate with your current audience. Um, so while it is important um and could be helpful if you're looking at like replacing the bulletin or um even just reminding people and trying to get people more involved in the service rather than the same 10 people that run music welcome prayer and everything every week um it's not an evangelism tool it's more just a community tool to try and get people to think about their faith and think about the church throughout the week not just on a saturday morning so it has a slightly different purpose than what I'd be talking about with like a website or an email newsletter or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Awesome. So that's a really great drill into Facebook groups. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's so much to talk about, but I think I'm just trying to think of like people in all sorts of churches. Um, what are some other sort of top communication tips that you have um, that you would want to share with people Who's maybe maybe they're a millennial stuck in a church that does not have any sort of millennial-like communications. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what are, what are some good things I guess people can be doing for their church to help them communicate um, to each other, but also to their local community. Sure. Um, firstly, photos. If you have a phone that can take a photo, please take photos. Um, <laughs> just taking a photo of what your church looks like from the outside where to drive in to find a park, um, what it looks like on the inside so people can see kind of where the seats are and where they might want to sit. That kind of stuff is really um, anxiety-inducing for someone that's never been there. You kind of want to see what it looks like when you walk in so you can just duck in the back and sit down or whatever. Um, But take photos. Uh, Quick note on photos, you will need to get permission from anyone who's seen in the photo if you can see their face. But if you can't see their face, if you want to take a photo, 
back of the room, over the back of everyone's heads, and just the pastor speaking out the front. Just check with your pastor that he's okay with it. I'm sure he'll be fine. And then you can use that photo. So I get a lot of the back of people's heads when I drop it. Um, it's so much easier than asking 40 people for permission. But, yeah, if photos would be number one thing. What about stock photos? What about people want pretty stock photos of people's faces to put online? Are they are they are they against the law, or are they or are they against Laura's law, or not not against Laura's law, but not ideal? Um, stock photos are good for now. If you're like if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, wow, we don't have any of this, and we would totally be that church that Laura tried to rock up to, and yeah. <laughs> Please get stock photos because it's going to be better than nothing. Um, they are crisp and clear. There's some great website. Um, Unsplash is a really good website. Just Google unsplash.com and they have lots of really free, uh, really good free stock images. Um, same with Pexels, which is like pixels but with an E. Um, yeah, so there's some good places in you can just search. They're often quite corny. Um, or if you look up like Bible, something really like this enormous old school Bible with like <laughs> or something will come up. So um, the problem with stock photos is that they're not always relevant, um, but they are bright and pretty and they will get attention more than just an empty space mm. where photos should be. I literally use Unsplash every single week for Burn the Haystack, like promotional stuff. <laughs> oh no, every people will find our secrets. <laughs> it's funny because like I'll be looking through Unsplash at some of the like the popular ones and I'll actually see I'll actually see photos that really really um big and you know quite large churches like Life Church and Hillsong they use they even use Unsplash like uh, yeah, I've seen that. Once too. with big budgets, they actually like Relevant Magazine. Relevant Magazine is so bad at this. They use, I see so many Unsplash photos on Relevant. Oh, I use Unsplash for my job as well. And Relevant Magazine, I'm like, hey, I know that image. Yeah. That's yeah. another thing that you find with using free stock images is that yeah. people recognize them. I, no matter where I go on the internet, there's always that one photo of that um, like millennial girl with blonde hair and sunglasses and a leather jacket. There's like yep. there's that one iconic image that you see everywhere. It's like the wistful, hmm, let's think about this sort of <laughs> thumbnail. And I just wonder like what person is logging onto Unsplash and being like, whoa, what a new cool image I have never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so photos is the number one thing, I think. And then look at setting up your website number two, and then head over to Facebook. And the big rule I would say is don't do it alone. Um, Don't, you know, speak to your pastor about it, but this is not your pastor's job. Um, Amen. Hello. This, in my dream little church world, you know how we have like deacons and deaconesses and we have people specifically allocated for certain things? Um, I really think we should make it a position like it doesn't need to be um, paid. I mean, that would be awesome, but you know, it is a volunteer role, like all the other church roles. But mm. there needs to be someone that's communications coordinator, or I don't know what title you want to call it. But um, I think if you talk to everyone in your congregation, there will be someone 
who manages a page of some kind, or there will be someone who has something to do with the online space that feels confident to, um, you know, set up the website or just to post once or twice a week on the Facebook page. Um, but it is a community thing to reach the outside community. So don't be afraid to put up your hand and say, I really want to set up a Facebook page, but I have no idea how to do that because there will be people around you who will do that. And they're usually going to be sitting in the back of the pew, not really involved, not knowing how to get involved because they might not have any musical or public speaking skills, but they're awesome online. So it's just another way you can um, empower your church to be proud of their space and to communicate it positively and um, get involved and feel like they're contributing. Hmm. Hmm. Um, one last question for me, and then I'm I'm good because I've just loved this conversation. But I see a lot of I see a lot of big churches. They they publish videos and um, cool graphics and and things like that. Is that and I and I know a lot of millennials and a lot of people doing social media. They feel pressured to kind of like raise that standard of like being able to reproduce something from a church that actually has a dedicated graphics department, you know, that sort of thing. What, what advice would you give to somebody who actually does want to raise the bar in terms of the cool graphics and the videos or anything else like that, but they just don't have, you know, they, they have to start somewhere, but they don't know where to start? Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to time. How much time do you have? I know, like, I... Personally, I'm working full-time, and by the time I get home from work, like, I'm helping you guys with some website and social media stuff for Burn the Haystack, and I'm behind on that because, you know, by the time I'm living the rest of my life, it's hard to squish stuff in. And I, you know, don't have time to make videos for my church because I, <laughs> I just don't. I also don't have the equipment. I have an iPhone, and I have iMovie, and I guess I could make something on that, but... Video production in particular takes hours, hours and hours to make like a three-minute video. Um, so don't get down in yourself. I think if you are looking at all these massive churches and their cool videos and all the stuff that they're doing, don't think that you're any less Like, and don't strive for that straight away. You know, it's baby steps, you know, cover the basics. That Remember that that church is now posting amazing videos if it's someone like Hillsong or Life Church, like they are paying someone to do that. Someone works for the church and spends hours paid making that video. Sometimes multiple people. <laughs> Sometimes multiple people, yeah. And that church also has been online and functioning in a digital space for like 15 years. And you've been online for five minutes and are beating yourself up about why you're not that good. Um, you know, baby steps, I think. If you do have all those basics covered and you would like to branch into video, get a team, get multiple people on board, um, make it a project for Teen Sabbath School. That's always fun. <laughs> oh, good idea. Yeah, they'll do something really cool, I'm sure. And they're very savvy in that space. Um, and, yeah, but baby steps, I think. Um, there was... One other thing that I wanted to touch on would be email newsletters. Um, yeah, I was talking before about bulletins, and bulletins is one of those things where it's only promoting to the people who rock up every week and pick up, pick up a bulletin. 
So you're not actually doing yourselves any favors. You're communicating to the church, but that could have been done through an announcement. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, so something that I know Avondale College Church is um, doing this quite well. It's connecting Avondale College or something is their email newsletter and it goes out every Friday and they're like, hi, everyone, just a reminder, church is tomorrow. Here's the sermon topic. Here's how you can get involved. Do you have a prayer request? Do you whatever? And they just put it all in an EDM. And um, sorry, uh, email direct marketing is an EDM. Oh, not electronic dance music? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's so cool that they put it into a song like that. Wow, (laughs) legends. (laughs) We call it it an EDM in marketing. That's just what it's called. Yeah, anyway, so I would use something like MailChimp, which is a super easy, like, drag-and-drop style thing to make, and then you can embed a sign-up form in your website. So someone like me who's just moved to the area and finds a new church online um, and, like, want to learn more information, sign up to our weekly newsletter. And so I'll just sign up, and then if you have any Bible studies or anything that's happening, I will then be notified, and you can reach, like, triple like heaps more than your current audience just by sending out the email. You're also saving paper. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, this is so helpful. Okay. <laughs> I could talk about this all day, but I won't do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I think this is like a really good um, start for a lot of churches and maybe down the track we can do a follow-up episode to this and, and keep brainstorming more ideas, do an update on... I don't know where Facebook's going next and all that kind of thing. Um, even we didn't even get into using Instagram for your church, and that would be an awesome. Yeah, you have you have a fantastic Instagram account, so I'd love to pick your brain on that. But we'll we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yes, another time. Well, I think this is really like basics. This is like getting your church online one hundred and one. Like that's <laughs> cool. really simple <clears throat> from going to from nothing to actually having a presence, but. Um, you know, maybe down the track we can talk about doing like online advanced and then we can talk about creating strategies and managing your church group on Facebook and um, creating videos or all of that kind of stuff. Like there is so much more you can dive into, but like I keep saying like baby steps, like if you haven't mastered the basics, you can't go to the next level. Mm. Uh, can't level up until you've got all those basic boxes ticked. Love it. Oh, awesome. Uh, cool. Well, um, all right. So where, where are the best places for, for people to find you, Laura, if they want to, if they need your help and they're desperate <laughs> or they have questions about anything we've talked about that we can't answer because we're useless at this sort of stuff? <laughs> uh, you guys are good. Um, I think you can find me on Instagram. It's probably nice and easy. My username is at Laura Hutchie. I'm sure you can put it in the show notes. Um, come and find me, slide into the DMs, and I would be very happy <laughs> to help you. <laughs> She's married, people. She is married. All right. Just, just <laughs> let that be known. Friend, friendship DMs only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, so probably on Instagram is the best. And awesome. or you can email me, but details will be up on the Haystack website. Awesome. Awesome. And speaking of the website, um, you'll be putting something up from this episode on the website? I will. I will. I do have a little blog post made, which um, kind of lines out everything that I've talked about today. 
of uh, the importance of things like Google My Business, Facebook, website, Google Analytics, an email mailing list, and a few other traditional marketing things as well, like signs and posters. Um, so I've made a little blog post and that will be released shortly. Mm. Hopefully by the time it's out. And then I'll post all the links to it on the Facebook and Instagram so you can find it and ask me any questions. Well, that was super helpful. Honestly, I have so much to relay to my teams <laughs> and a bunch of people <laughs> I want to share this with already. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Laura, she's so, ah, oh, man, she's so switched on to this stuff. I mean, I guess it's a job, but relating it to churches can't always be easy, but I found that really helpful as a pastor. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah so did I. I mean, I think uh, it's kind of, it's very convicting because a lot of the stuff that she said was stuff that I thought, oh yeah, I know this. I should be doing this or my church should be doing this. But I think I think what she said about pastors is really key. I think that it's not the pastor's job to do this stuff. However, I do think if you're a pastor listening, it is your job to lead your team to do this and to actually make awareness and actually give space around it. Because I do think that there are a lot of pastors out there who do want to do this stuff. They do want their church to have a great online presence. They do want um, their their church to be able to reach people and for people to be able to engage online, but they just feel helpless either because they don't have the skills or they don't have the time. And what I, what I got out of this is really encouraging. You don't have to do it, but if there is a young millennial or a Gen Z in your church and they have the capabilities, you do have... The opportunity you do have a place to lead that young person into actually being an advocate for online presence. Just because you can't do it doesn't mean that you can't lead somebody else to do it. And that I think that see I see that as as my role, as your role, as as pastors. Yeah, and I think um, historically, I'll say historically, but as I've grown up, I've seen the way young people often get involved in church is with music. But if they're not musical, often it sort of pushes them to the outside. Yeah. Uh, but this is a way that almost any young person can be involved in the life of the church um, in a really active and creative way that's still actually really missional. Like they'll actually see um, first time interactions with the church. They'll see people sharing. They'll get a chance to post photos themselves and see people re to reacting. So um, I think getting young people, even if you think, oh, maybe they're not mature enough. Sure, maybe they're not, but like you can guide them into it. So I think this is a really valuable um, thing that we could get, especially teenagers involved in helping us with social media because they're already native to it, um, yeah. more native than Jesse or I really. So Totally, um, totally. Yeah, get, it, get them in on it. It'll be awesome. Um, so speaking of Facebook groups, for those of you who've stayed tuned this long, we have a very special announcement and a very secret announcement. Don't tell anybody. I mean, I'm pretty sure people already know, but <laughs> but we're actually starting a burn. Well, we've started it like nine months ago, but um, we're actually doing something with it now because nine months ago, we didn't really know what to do with it. But um, we are starting a burn the haystack community on, on Facebook. So there's the page, but this will be a group. So this is more yeah. for discussion. Um, and we really want to promote that. That's sort of kind of the big thing with Burn the Haystack. We've never wanted it to just be us talking, but actually a dialogue, which it has been to a certain extent so far, but we, this is how we feel we're going to take it to the next level. But we want it to be for only listeners. So we're going to give you, there's like a secret password you have to enter as a question to enter the group. 
and it's only for people who actually listen to the end of the podcast. So if you've listened to the end, you will get the password, but don't go around telling everybody what the password is. This is yeah, just for that people who listened. Super lame. And you don't want to yeah. be lame, do you? No. <laughs> Cuz that's the thing, we have so many there's so many Adventist groups out there that I think a whole lot of people just join with no context and that's cool but that's not what we want this group to be we want this to be for people who actually listen to the podcast that's sort of why we're doing that um so if you would like to join the burn the haystack community you can find us on facebook it's a closed group so you can see the group and then you just have to request to join and uh the secret password drum roll please (laughs) is poppy gloria and you get an extra 10 points if you can tell us the reference. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Who is Poppy Gloria? I'm Poppy <laughs> Gloria. <laughs> so uh, do we want to just quickly spell that out for people? I mean, it doesn't matter. If people kind of misspell it, that's all good. Oh, but... yeah. I don't, I don't really care about spelling. But yeah. P-O-P-P-Y space G-L-O-R-I-A. That's Poppy, Poppy. Gloria. That's Poppy as in the flower and Gloria as in Gloria. So just think. Gloria. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you did like a little nice key change. That was, that was beautiful. Well, yeah, I thought better take it up a notch. So, um, yeah, join the group. We'd love to have you in. Uh, it'll be really exciting. We're going to have, we're sort of fleshing out how it's going to work. So, uh, there might be some changes over the next couple of months, depending on how many people join and if things, get, you know, how how things go. Um, but yeah, it's really for discussion, particularly around episode topics. But um, right now we've got it so that anybody can start a, a chat. So you can talk about anything that you found relevant from the podcast. Um, so it's a really exciting new thing for us. Yeah. And yeah, we hope you jump on board with it. Yeah. Love you guys. Um, and just hope that we take this discussion to the next level. Because that would be that would be super awesome. We're going to be opening up it, opening it up to all sorts of group discussions based around um, what the podcast topics are that we've been releasing, our guests that got lots of cool stuff to share, like Laura and all the stuff in the future. And then we're going to be also opening up in the future for the stuff that you want to talk about. So if you want to engage with Burn the Haystack, really, this is the best place. The page is cool, but as Laura said that organic reach is really, really not what it once was, which is um, unfortunate, but, you know, it is what it is. So this is the really the best place to engage. Um, so hope to see you there. Woo. And for all things Burn the Haystack, make sure you go and check out burnthehaystack.org where we have our blog. We have oh, the blog from today will be up there, but we also have links to all of our social media. We have some about us sections and uh, contact us form and everything. So make sure you go and check out burnthehaystack.org. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Burn the Haystack on whatever podcatching app that you use. We'd love it. And if you are subscribed, take it to take this relationship to the next level. And we'd love it if you would leave us a rating or a review. And we will love you forever. Absolutely. So that is Josh and Jesse out.
I'm peaking so much. It's going to ruin my microphone. <laughs> it's going to ruin your voice. Yeah. I'm going to poop this week.